Good evening or good day, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast, wherever you are in the world. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and I'm joined as ever by my colleague and friend Steve Wiss. We're back for another episode. Hope you enjoyed last week's uh, look back at the Danish Superliga season. And we are now going to get back. It's been a sort of a mini, mini sort of summer break uh, in our leagues in Norway and Sweden. Sweden has had a bit of a two, three week break, but we're back at the end of this week. We've got a round coming up and, and the fixtures will return. Uh, in Norway, we've just had a round as well. So as always, I'm joined by Steve Wiss and we're going to talk about what has been going on in Norway and Sweden. Steve, my friend, how are you? And before you tell us how you are, I did hear that you had a bit of an accident. So I know you're going to be a little bit sore on this one, but uh, just generally, are you surviving? I'm a little bit bad and bruised. I uh, just had a fall in my garden yesterday, which has left me with some minor injuries. Nothing too bad. Um, but uh, yeah, apart from that, I'm doing I'm doing very well. Thank you, Jonathan, my old friend. I uh, hope you are ticking along nicely yourself. And yes... We did have this uh, sort of uh, early summer break, if you want to call it that, in Norway and Sweden. Elitis Arian is now back. Our friends can return next week. So it's good to be back and into this uh, summer groove of the, the campaign. It's great to see a lot of people sort of being interested in the Scandinavian leagues at this point in time. Seeing a lot of tipsters out there suddenly becoming Obos again experts or Icelandic football experts, stuff like that. It's that time of year and uh, I love it. Definitely is, and we're going to dip into all that. Well, not Iceland, but we are going to dip into um, the latest. I mean, the last round in in uh, Norway was actually this weekend just gone, but the previous round before that was in was on twenty eighth of May, week commencing weekend commencing twenty eighth of May. So this is the first round of fixtures we've had in June, eighteenth uh, and nineteenth of June. Um, I will read you the results in a minute, but just in terms of uh, your little accident there, Steve. I mean, any regular listeners on this show will know that you're certainly not someone who tends to sit on the fence. So I'm not surprised that you had a bit of a, had a, bit of a fall from it. I fell off a fence, yeah. I fell off a fence. <laughs> you fell off your fence. But, uh, fair play to you, mate. I hope you recover well. And even though you're bruised, I'll try and go easy on this on you in this episode. Um, just for the listeners who are wondering, part one will be Norway. We're going to recap what's been going on in, in, in this latest round uh, and generally in the table. And then in part two, we'll go to Sweden and we will look at uh, transfer season. It's obviously... The main talking point. There might moment. not even be two parts for this episode. Depending yeah, there might not even be two parts. <laughs> you can divide it, get a cup of tea. Um, but yeah, basically, that'll be the second part of the show. We'll look at uh, the latest transfers because there's been no games. So um, I'm going to read you the results from the most recent round in Norway. We had Salzburg 5, Stromsgosse 1 on the 18th of June. Uh, this past Saturday just gone. Christiansen 0, my boys, Buda Glimp 2. Glimp getting an away win. Uh, and then on the Sunday, we had FK Jörv. One Hamcam two battle of the newly promoted sides. Hamcam came out on top. Lillestrøm three Rosenborg one defeat there for the big boys. Rosenborg odd one Mulder two. Uh, we had Tromsø one Haugesen one Viking one Sandefjord two surprise there and Arlesen two Wallerenga two. That leaves the table if you're wondering. Looking as follows: um, bottom three we have Christiansen bottom of the table 16th place with one point from eight games played. Uh, we've got Jörv, 15, 7 points, 10 games played. So Christiansen have two games in hand. And then in the relegation uh, spot in 14th, we've got Haugesund uh, on nine points. And they've played 11 games as well. So Jörv have a game on hand on them. And obviously Christian have, Christiansen have three games in hand on, on them, but they're struggling for points. And then if we look at the top of the table, um, we'll come to a few of the shots because we've got Rosenborg in eighth, for example. Uh, Glimt in sixth. But you've got Viking in third, Mulder in second on 25 points, Viking on 21 points, by the way, four-point gap. And then at the top of the table, Lillestrøm, unbeaten, 27 points. So the table's looking, I'd say it's looking a bit rosy, isn't it, Steve? Would you agree with that? I mean, it's kind of looking a bit fresh compared to the previous years we've had where, you know, Glimt are kind of all-conquering. Mulder is still hanging in there, but uh, yeah, it's got a bit of a sort of clean, clean look to it, hasn't it? What's your take on it so far, 11 games in, Steve? Well, it's obviously, there's a few surprises there. No one uh, would have thought Lillestrøm would be unbeaten at this stage of the season. There's been some positive surprises, like someone like Sarpsborg, for example. Godset, they've probably done better than most people thought. 
the likes of Glimp, Rosenborg, maybe lower than, than than some thought. And then down at the bottom, you know, if you'd said to me any team would have just one point right now, I'd say no way. And and for it to be Christiansen is 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 is, is incredible. So. Yeah, it's a different sort of look this year. There's, um, it's been a strange old year, but I think now there's going to be a run of games together coming up. Then now we've got the European qualifiers as well adding into the mix soon. Um, it's a really, it's going to be a bit of a mental period, I think, up until the next uh, international break. But I think the next international break isn't um, at the end of August like it normally is. It's not until like end of September, is it, or something daft like that. So. Or mid September, anyway. So it's a, it's going to be a really long. Um, this is now the this is the, the season right now, the crucial part of the campaign coming up. <clears throat> yeah, and we're going to start with um, well, I don't know where to start really, but I, I'm actually going to start with the bottom of the table clash. I want to ask you about Yerv Hamkam. Mm. Uh, goals from Schroeter, Mel Galvis, and Kirkevold, uh, and mm, assists from Kirkevold as well. So anyone playing fantasy. He was a good one to have in your team this past week for Hamcam. Very decisive there. And I just wanted to sort of, I mean, you know, you mentioned Christensen there, for example. We did have about two or three episodes ago. We did sort of dip into Christensen and we evaluated their problems. Don't know if much has changed, you know, since then. Obviously, there's been no games. Um, so we did dip into their their issues. We have looked at a few other teams. But I haven't really had too much on Yerv and Hamcam. Um, so I'd like to get your take on that. I think the episode that we discussed them was um, series uh, episode nine about uh, May the eighteenth? I think we talked about Christensen. Um, but but Steve, just tell us about this year of Hamcam game. I mean, it looks like Hamcam are sort of ninth in the table, having a, a fairly decent season, aren't they? Two two wins from ten games, six draws, so they're quite hard to beat. Only two defeats, um, and and year of as we've said, they're second bottom. What's your sort of take on these two teams so far this season? Um, in terms of the actual match, I'm going to have to do a bit of an Arsene Wengerism here. Uh, I didn't see it, and I still haven't seen it. It's the it was the of all the games that were on at that stage. I had my eye on all the other ones, but I actually thought this was going to be such a bad game of football. I didn't bother. I just couldn't be uh, putting myself through that. So I've not even had a chance to review this one. It looked like on XG terms, it was a close one. Uh, Hamcam got a couple of goals in the first half. I, I certainly expect. I le- I leaned towards them. Because Hamcam are the better of the two sides. Yerv, I, I do think Yerv will finish bottom of the table. Jonathan, they, they're starting to show why we knew they would struggle this season. The squad just isn't good enough, really. They've had two or three injuries as well. And yeah, they won a couple of early fixtures, but um, it's becoming quite alarming for Yerv. And uh, eventually, I certainly I would think they actually will finish bottom. Christiansen should pick themselves I'm not saying Christensen are getting gonna get themselves out of trouble but they should um finish above Yerv really so uh yeah they're, they're, they're the whipping boys right now I would say Yerv they just they just uh they're conceding way too many chances the goalkeeper had some good performances early in the season and in terms of ham cam they needed a win they kind of forgotten how to win games hadn't they uh, a lot of draws but that's just their second win of the season first victory on the road the three points will do them the world of good and um it's really important that you beat sort of the teams around you or, or the you know the supposed matches that are winnable. So crucial result for, for them. I'd say I've not actually seen the game or even even many extensive highlights of it. So I can't comment too much on the fixture itself. But um, I think both teams are kind of going in in separate directions now. Yeah, <clears throat> the goal from Kirkival uh, was a nice sort of left-footed free kick. Actually, a decent decent hit. Um, second goal from Mel Galvis. There, shocking defending from Yerv, I have to say. Um, three defenders getting drawn to the ball, which is obviously not what you expect to see maybe at a high level of football. Um, but yeah, and then obviously Schwerter's goal, kind of a consolation really, wasn't it, in the 82nd minute? Um, you know, decent finish, bit of a keeper mix up there. Um, but uh, yeah, not too bad uh, for them, but uh, didn't do much enough to get a point. I mean, we've got our friend Tom Dent over at Hamcam. You know, how do you feel about them and who are their kind of uh, key men? That have been, has there been anyone that's impressed you this season and the team just to give him a bit of a shout out yeah i mean obviously there was a lot of talk pre-season about uh christian erickson how would he get on at elite serian level he was linked with the Rusen ball pre-season and he's looked good he's he's played every single minute i think for them this year which is quite impressive in that way um but really i think probably it's the defense that uh, has caught the eye a bit in terms of the it's the, the, the wing back it's a wing back system three four three so you've got like kongsgrove and mel galvis have 
have done quite well. They've been unfortunate. They've had uh, the season-ending injury to Julian Dunn at the back. And uh, Morton Biolo, midfielder, who looked quite good in the first two games, he's been ruled out with a broken foot. Not sure when he's due back. I think he'd probably end of July, maybe, maybe even early. I don't know. Uh, those things can be difficult to heal. But uh, for the most part, they've. I'm, I actually struggle to work Ham come out of it, Jonathan. They're a weird team. They draw a lot of games, which is not. This is not a draw league in general. Uh, there's only two teams in the whole Elite Serie really that are drawing many matches. And it's Tromso and Ham Cam. The rest of the teams generally it's a low percentage of draws. Uh, teams like to sort of push for the win. But I think with Ham Cam, they have been happy to settle for a point on a few occasions. and um, or, or maybe it's just the way the games have worked out. They've ended up with, with draws. I, I struggle to get a grip on them, to be honest. Um, it, it can be hard with newly promoted teams. And uh, in, in, to say from a betting perspective, I tend to avoid them in terms of match result. Let's move on. Christensen, uh, Neil, Budigam two. Uh, Pellegrino got two goals in this one. Steve, how has um, Budigam sort of recovered from their uh, slump, shall we say? I know it's only been one game, to be fair. Obviously losing to Viking um, and also losing to Mulder. Um, how, how do you sort of assess where they are at the moment has there been any changes of late you know what do they do to pick up that win and get back to winning ways um do you feel more optimistic about them after this result or is it sort of a case of uh you know a poor side against uh, one of the better sides i'm optimistic about them yeah and I, I this was the perfect time for a break for them i think they went on a bit of a training camp to denmark whilst their pitch had been relayed up there new artificial surface and yeah you've got to beat sides like christiansen right now they look controlled in the game. Um, they were the better side, deserved it. Christiansen had the moments. The, the goalkeeper, Kaikin, had um, an improved performance. I think he's been one of the weaker links for Glimp this year. But he definitely was uh, in, better in this fixture as well. Glimp could have scored more goals because the Christian goal, Christiansen goalkeeper also had a good game. They've, they've actually replaced Sean McDermott. He's been dropped to the bench the last two matches. Sergin Mbai has got the gloves now, Jonathan. That's how bad things are there. But he had a good game, actually, in buying fairness. So it could have been more goals for Glimt. Um, this is a big period for them now. They've got a good run of games. They've got Arlesund, Odd, Sarpsborg, Hamkam, Yerv, Arlesund, Odd again. It's a good run of fixtures. And they've got, uh, mixed in with that, they've got Champions League qualification. They've drawn Klaxvik from, uh, is that Faroe Islands? Yeah, I mean, they're going to easily beat them, aren't they, over two legs. They can probably rest players for the second leg. And then after that, that that's the, then they've got to work out how to sort of mix the, the really important European qualification matches in sort of August. That's the crucial stage. But the good thing is their fixtures are pretty easy in in August. Like they've got to face uh, Yerv again in, in, in around that period. I think they could go on a really good run of, of games in Elite Serie and winning something like, say, eight of their next ten. And that will get them probably back into the title race. And... Um, they had a nice little reset here. It did, the, did them the world of good. That's great to hear. And obviously, yeah, sometimes the little camp away can always help, isn't it, in the break? Uh, maybe they probably might have needed that. And who knows where they go from here. Uh, the next games are Arleston at home, Odd away, and Sarpsborg at home. So this is, and, then, and then after that, they've got Hamcam and Yerv. So to be honest, this is a pretty nice run mm. for them to just get back on their, get back on the horse, so to speak. Uh, Steve, I'm going to move on. I'm going to ask you about Rosenborg uh, because... They've had a little bit of a slump again in terms of results, and they're currently eighth. Now, I know in pre-season you were quite optimistic about their potential this season. Not really, doesn't really look like it's working out for them at the moment, does it? I mean, after battering Wallaranga 4-0 in their game just before, just at the end of May, they've now lost sort of 3-1 at, um, at Lillestrøm. And, and a follow-up question on that, obviously Vecchia gave uh, Rosenborg the lead, but uh, Lillestrøm came back, three goals. Um, Ifiani Matthew, Dragsnes and Magnus Knudsen. I mean, we've talked about Lillestrøm as being title contenders. Is this the result that sort of solidifies the fact that they genuinely are title candidates? Um, but let's first get your thoughts on the Rosenborg. Um, yeah, I'm still optimistic about uh, Rosenborg, uh, Jonathan. They, um, they've only lost two games of football. They've got a light squad. That's what I don't like about them. And um, they need to, I think, add more depth this summer window. But their strongest 11 is quite decent. Like I say, they, they're fairly hard to beat. They could do with turning a few of their draws into wins. 
I still think with no European football, they can take advantage of some of them teams above them. And I think I did I have them in second place this year. That probably is pushing it too far now, but they should be able to get themselves back into the top four or five, uh, really. And um, like I say, I'm still fairly optimistic about them. Great stuff. And and what are your thoughts on Lillestrøm there? This is my second part of the question. I mean, you've got to consider them for real, but I've got the feeling soon that they will realise where they are in the table. You kind of get this in all sports, don't you, where everything's kind of going on really well, they're doing better than expected, and then the realisation hits the players. Hold on, we're top of the table, we're unbeaten. They are due a defeat. Just the way football goes, isn't it? You can't stay unbeaten for, for, for that long, really. Uh, even the best sides uh, come unstuck somewhere. Um, but this was no doubt another mental boost. They've been great at home this year. You know, Rosenborg might not be the power they once were, but they're still a big name in, in Norwegian football. And they came from behind here. That was the first goal they conceded at home all season. It was quite a good finish for Vecchio, actually. You weren't saving that. But the goalkeeper keeps impressing me, Mads Christensen. Came with a huge save uh, at uh, two one up. I think two big saves when he was two one up. Then they were two one up. Actually, he has made a massive difference in between the six for them. And um, this lad is definitely worth his weight in gold. And when you've got someone that last line of defence who's making these sort of saves, it can the points can add up. I don't think they'll win the league, um, and I think they will eventually have a bad period. It's just a question of when. And you know, I think. Even this weekend might be a bit of a test. I think they got got set away. It's not easy. Got to take them seriously. But you know, again, they've had um, they've had a lot of good squad conditions, no injuries, no suspensions, things like that. At some point, they will hit a bad run, and that is going to be the real test. It's always the way, isn't it? When you get um, you know a team kind of maybe they get to a certain point in the season, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute, we actually we actually could win this. I remember when Leicester had it when they won the league, wasn't it in 2016? And you know, that was the point where you start to, I think they beat Manchester City away. And that was when you really started to think that, you know, these guys are, are for real. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, like you said, it's 11 games in, isn't it? It's, it's still quite early days, really. Um, but it looks like, you know, with results like that, that they, they could be um, could be here to stay. Who knows? Um, we haven't got too many more talking points on, in, in this episode. We're going to have a bit of a, short, a shorter episode. Um, but do want to move on just sort of briefly talk about Mulder. Uh, Mulder getting a 2-1 win at odd. Uh, your man, Fafana, actually got on the score sheet in this one. So, you know, Mulder always seemed to be there, don't they? They always sort of ticking along, um, sort of in the mid, you know, challenging for the title, not too far away from it at any point, really. Just give us your assessment on, on Mulder, because they are sort of, um, <clears throat> they're conceding goals, you know, one per game. They've conceded 11 in 11 games, but they're scoring 20, they've scored 22, so obviously they're averaging two per game, so. Do you think that they are the most realistic, maybe, title winners at this stage? Yes. If I had to pick a team to win the title right now, I'd say them. Because they have got that. I still look at Buda Glimt as the, as the team to beat, um, really. I still think Glimt will finish in the top three, eventually, unless the squad blows up or something. But um, Mulder, they've got this hunger, desire, determination this season. They're finding ways to win games of football, Jonathan. That's the side of a championship-winning side, isn't it? They... Um, I'm not saying they've fluked or got lucky with results, but they've been on the right side of quite a few 2-1 results, for example, um, which could have gone either way with uh, a goal conceded at the wrong time or something. I like what I see from them. I think the squad is in good harmony. and But again, they've got European football coming soon, qualifiers, and they'll want to make the group stage of uh, the Conference League, won't they? So another test for, for them, for that squad coming up, a real test for Lillestrøm squad coming up, and, of course, the Buda Glimp squad too. So, yes, I, I like what Mulder are doing at the moment. They've got plenty of offensive firepower. Datro Fafana, uh, I think he scored now in his last three straight games. He uh, had a spell out injured for a bit. And uh, to be honest, <laughs> I, I, I'd kind of gone off him. I, I just felt it wasn't going to be his time at Mulder. Um, I maybe wrote him off a bit too early, though, because... Uh, he scored a really crucial goal against Sarpsborg, a great header against Glimpton, a nice little tapping against Odd. So he shows he's getting in the right positions now. So they're moving in the right direction. If he can start scoring regularly, then yeah, they've got the striker they need as well. Yeah, I mean, the first goal <clears throat> was a bit of a, it was an unfortunate own goal, actually. Awusu, Fafana, as you mentioned there, sort of a nice sort of poacher's goal, really, wasn't it? Getting on the end of a, a cross. And then Larrettson, um scored as well. But yeah, and it looks like Mulder are sort of uh, ticking along fairly nicely there. 
I think if you look at the data as well, you know, in terms of the team rankings, according to our, our partners, Scout, uh, who we have a partnership with, of course, they're, they're third at the moment for expected goals. Um, so, you know, they're not not killing it in terms of expected goals, but in terms of expected goals against as well, they're kind of, they're not, they're not doing too, you know, they're not trending as uh, that well. Actually, Tromso are the best team in the league for expected goals against, which is a, a, an interesting one. And and Yerve, the worst team in the league for expected goals against, uh, 22.9, 22.09 expected to concede. And in terms of the XG for the league, Viking are actually top 25.64 XG against 22 scored. And Sandefjord at the bottom, 10.14 XG with 14 scored. So gives you a bit of insight. And and again, back on Yerve, five goals this season, is that right? I think that's five crazy. scored, yeah. Crazy amount, uh, low amount of goals scored, but their XG is actually 10, so 10.61. So someone somewhere is missing some chances. And it's the same with... Christiansen, their, their XG is actually 11.64 uh, with five scored. So someone somewhere is missing some chances for those two teams. Maybe it'll even out as the, the campaign goes on. But um, I think that pretty much wraps up. I think we'd probably better talk about this the shot result around, Jonathan, before we do head off. That was in Viking, uh, Viking against Sandefjord. Um, one of the biggest price outright winners I can remember in Elite Serie in, uh, in recent years, because uh, uh, Sandefjord, we're twelve to one with the bookmakers to win this game outright, which twelve to one might not last, might not sound huge, but for footballing odds, it is huge. Certainly for elite Serian terms, and um, yeah, they just went here to Viking and, and really they fell behind actually, and uh, playing the shock three points. I don't think many people saw this one coming. Definitely not. No, and one thing I just made a few comments about this game, and I actually feel like. Too many teams are actually under, not underestimating Sandefjord, but they're not respecting them. Sandefjord are a good counter-attacking side. They're not. They're not a good team overall. I don't rate them at all. You you mentioned they're the lowest team in terms of XG, but it might be a case where the metrics are a little bit skew with in terms of their main game plan is counter-attack at pace, getting players in position. And sometimes they might sort of get a player might just miss out on the ball by a whisker when he's clean through things like that. But the, the the high lines that some teams are playing against Sandefjord, especially when they're at home against them, it's getting a bit stupid. I've seen Godsake got caught, got caught out by this in early in the season. They lost five nil at home to them, and um, I think Viking got caught out here. This match, Sandefjord created, I would say, good moments on the break, and um, in terms of chances, you know, they took them well. So, uh, whilst they're not a good team, I think teams need to start respecting their strengths a bit more and uh, some have but viking here played a bit of a naive game plan i think they went into this game thinking we're going to batter them quite easily that's what most people thought they took a one nil lead i'm not saying they took their foot off the gas a bit but they got a bit sloppy with their own finishing thinking just a matter of time before we get the second goal and seal the game before you know it they're falling behind so poor game management from them poor tactical approach and Sanderfjord, whilst I don't think they're a great side, they are absolutely, once again, for the second season in a row, the joint managers, they're getting the most out of this squad. Yeah, that's great stuff. And, of course, uh, goals from Lockberg, Offkir, <clears throat> and Rude Tvetter, who uh, is a bit of a poacher, isn't he, at times? He's, uh, he's someone who kind of can get the odd goal mm. and uh you know his goal kind of was wasn't wasn't bad actually um you know uh there's a lot of good work in the build up and then he, he kind of shot home from near just to the edge of the box left footed very much a kind of a striker's goal really wasn't it? i think um i think he's played in sweden as well for Halmstad at one point um but uh it, just in terms of that you mentioned such a shocking result especially as you say in a kind of essentially a three-way three-way race isn't it really in terms of the bet um, just want to read out some of the top scorers because it does relate to what we're going to talk about in part in the second part. We're going to probably change hands in a little bit, aren't we, Stephen? You, you're going to take mm. um, just the top scorers in the league because Ruud Tvetter is one of them. He's got five goals. He's joined with uh, Guillermo Molins and Tobias Heinz. Excuse me. Um, Tobias Heinz, Guillermo Molins and Ruud Tvetter. All of them have played in Sweden, by the way, five goals. Uh, they're joined seventh. Then you've got on six goals, you've got Sigurd Haugen, Johan Hove, who we've talked about, and I think uh, you've, you, you've sort of spoken about in some detail. Aliuan Ndor, Falgerson, Amal Pellegrino, and Stefano Vecchia, of course, of Rosenborg, formerly of Sirius. 
And but the outright goal leading goal scorer in the league at the moment is is Veton Berisha of Viking with eight eight goals. And uh, he wasn't on the score sheet in this game, Steve. But uh, there are some rumours linking him with a move to Sweden. Uh, I don't know if we're going to we're going to change hands now, but I just wanted. Well, we might as well now. How you think he's doing? Uh, because this is a probably a nice segue into the next section. But basically, there's a lot of reports coming out of Sweden at the moment. Veton Berisha is a leading target for Malmo, who are looking to strengthen in this summer window. Now, I think we did talk about Berisha a little bit in the last episode as well. Um, the last but one, obviously, not the Danish episode. But uh, does it surprise you that he's getting linked to sort of uh, teams like like Malmo, Steve? And do you think he could do a potential job in, in Sweden for, for Malmo? Not really surprised because I think when you... you off, we often get asked the question, don't we, that um, who's the best striker in the elite area? And Berisha inevitably would be in most people's top three list right now. Now, it doesn't mean he's an amazing striker or anything like that. It just shows you the kind of the crop that's around in terms of genuine front men at the, uh, in the elite area right now. So, but he's, he's quality, you know, he's a good finisher. And he's probably getting at the stage of his career now where he's thinking, I want to win trophies. I want to really compete up there. I mean, how old is he? He's 28, I think. Um, and that's pretty much peak time, isn't it, for striker? And he's got to think, you know, where do I want to be? And Viking, it looked like they were going to make a run at the title this year. They're not going to be getting a medal if they can't beat Sandefjord at home and they dropped a lot of the points as well. If they lost him, they might even not even finish in the top six, Jonathan. He's a huge, he would be a huge loss for them, no matter how much money they got for him. No doubt Malmo would probably fleece them. Um, I mean, they got fleeced by uh, Joe Bell, the Joe Bell deal to Bronby uh, back in, um, in the winter. So... But yeah, in terms of Mal, I think he would suit Malmo nicely. I think he would do very well in our Svenskan, put him in the right system. He's a physical striker, determined, strong leader, and he's got all the attributes required to do well, certainly in the, in the top end of Scandinavian football. And, you know, I think he could probably do uh, somewhat of a good job in, in certain parts of Europe as well. Maybe not like top level leagues, but um, very good striker who knows how to find the back of the net. Yeah, and I wonder if it's sort of like a bit of a Cholak-type replacement. It seems to have a, maybe a slightly similar profile. Yes. In, um, in that sense, and the kind of, you know, the, the sort of man leading from the front. And looks like he could maybe do a decent job looking at some of his uh, his goals. But uh, yeah, 28-year-old, as he mentioned, watch this space. Uh, the other interesting point, I just want, I'm actually going to on-air read out a tweet um, that's just come up on our timeline. Uh, as we transition from part one to part two, because I think this is very interesting and we debate it a lot. Marty Sifuentes, of course, the Hammerby manager, has just tweeted, uh, replying to a question, I think, someone who asked him, as someone who's experienced managing in Norway, Sweden and Denmark, what do you see as the main differences between the three leagues? Sifuentes has just replied, he said, difficult to answer in few characters, but he says, Norway, many teams play 4-3-3, glimp the best Scandinavian team I've seen in my five years here. Denmark, very physical games, high press, good players and stadiums. And he says, Sweden, big variety on tactics. And the atmosphere in the stadiums is top with a star emoji. So clearly loves the atmosphere in uh, in Sweden. And I think that that's an interesting, you know, because we talk about it quite a lot, don't we, Steve? Especially with some Danish content recently as well. What the difference is as someone who's managed in all three countries. That's that's quite interesting. Um but yeah, let's let's move over to Sweden now. I guess if there's any, unless there's any other business, I, I think that is good from my Sifuentes. Eh? I don't think you could argue that Sweden doesn't have the best overall atmospheres. I mean, you've got in Denmark, you know, parking obviously, and you know, Brunby as well bring deep. But in terms of the whole league, you've got you know several strong, strongly supported clubs, haven't you, in Sweden? across the whole country and so i could certainly agree with that interestingly he says there's a lot more tactical variation in sweden i'm not sure what you make of that comment but um yeah i think he's nailed that answer hasn't he it's uh yeah i think he um it's an interesting one yeah i thought it would be worthwhile tweet now i think his his um his handle is at mcc14 i believe so if you want to follow him um but yeah no definitely in terms of um sweden i think that's something a point that ian birchnell made as well that the tactical differences in Sweden, you come up with a lot of different tactical setups and, and shapes. And I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think it's been a change that sort of maybe happened a lot more maybe since Graham Potter era, uh, maybe in the last sort of five years, and, and teams like, like Ostersunds and, and others who can vary how they play. 
Um, but yeah, I think you do. You know, there was a time where Sweden sometimes was a bit of a four-four-two, you know, and a bit rigid. But um, no, definitely, I think you get a lot of tactical dif- um, differences. And it's interesting that he says that Denmark's such a high-pressing league as well, and, and uh, an emphasis on physicality. Uh, so that is quite interesting to hear. Um, yes, we're going to change hands now. You're going to take mm, over. I am Sweden then. So, yeah. I mean, what have you what have you been doing with yourself, Jonathan? Aside from your non-league speciality scouting and things like that, but uh, in terms of Alsvenskan, I can't remember the last time an Alsvenskan match got played. Um, it was quite a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, so looking back now, 29th of May, in fact. Uh, but it is returning this coming weekend with. Uh, a full run of uh, fixtures, but really the main talking points, as always in Sweden, is the transfer season business, isn't it? And uh, we've lost players, sadly. Just scanning down this itinerary here, someone's gone to Belgium, surprise, surprise. Um, but uh, has it been the sort of that silly season where there's been both dealings and loads of rumours and things going on like that? And I mean, I mean, it's kind of a bit crazy why have they had such a long break here. Do you know, Jonathan? I mean, it's um, there's been the international break, of course. Mm. I mean, the same, same, the last round in Elite uh, was the same week, wasn't it? Um, 29th of May, yeah, just come back. Obviously, the week just gone. I guess Sweden's had a bit of a longer break. I'm not entirely sure why they've been like friendly games and stuff taking place, training matches to prepare them, obviously, to you know get back into the swing of things this, this coming weekend. But yeah, it's been a long break. It's not something I'm a fan of, I think. Summer football in Scandinavia is a, is a precious thing, and I think you should try and get as many games as you can um, while you can, because obviously in the winter it gets extremely chilly, and I'd like to think you want to get most of your games out of the way in the summer if you can. But uh, yeah, the, the the transfer season is kind of upon us, and in Sweden it's usually a bit of a turning point in in the calendar really, because it's usually the time of day when some teams get their best players poached, and others can strengthen. And it, and it tends to kind of alter the course of the title. Um, and I think it's got the potential to do it again this season. If you look at the, the current table, obviously we've got Beko Hakan atop, which is incredible, really. Uh, and they've got a game in hand as well on, on, on AIK, who are second. They're both level on points on 23 points. You've got Hammerby, obviously, a third on 20 points as well. Uh, and then you've got a sort of uh, Garden and Malmo, fourth and fifth, on 18 points. So... I think when you look at the transfer season, Malmo are expected to be very active. They're, they're trying to get some deals done, uh, you know, to strengthen with the money that they have, of course, from the, from the Champions League revenue uh, of last season. And, and of course, teams like Hacken um, are probably tending to want to try and hold on to their players and, and see if they can, you know, uh, carry on that title fight. Because it's so early, isn't it? Only 10 games played. You're not really even halfway through the season, anywhere near it. So it's, it's too early. You know, when you're losing players at that this stage of the season, it's almost like, there's only a third of the season gone, so you're not really even settled into your into your rhythm. Um, don't really know what the way around that is, but uh, yeah, it's always it always causes consternation. Um, and if you look at the case of Hammerby, who are third at the moment, looking really good this season, having a really good year, um, they are in that position. You know, they've got the uh, joint best defensive record in the league, but they've now lost um, they've now lost two players. Mark, Michael Lardo has gone to AZ Alkmaar, someone we talked about uh, on a podcast recently. I said I said keep an eye out for him uh, on the last show uh, when we talked about Swedberg. And I said Michael Lyder is another one who's going to potentially move on. Um, he's kind of like a pacey wide man, um, very quick, covers ground well. Um, I think he's got good technical profile, didn't really play. He's not like a huge, um, you know, starter for Mar- uh, sorry, for Hammerby in this, in this season, really. He's had a lot of cameos and, you know, games where he's not exactly played 90 minutes. But, um, you know, it's such a young player. You can see the raw attributes are there. And, and obviously, AZ Alkmaar have taken that, taken that punt. Uh, and the other, big, the other big move, of course, is Williot Swedberg, who's, um, you know, we, we dedicated a, a portion of the show uh, to him last week. Well, whenever the last show was, of course, not last week, but it was nearly a month ago now, wasn't it? But um, we dedicated a good portion of the show to him and, and his progress, the, the, the teenager and how well he's doing. And he's now left to Celta Vigo. I think I mentioned negotiations were ongoing with Celta Vigo at the time. Uh, it came out, in fact, that um, that uh, uh, Luis Campos, I believe, who works for PSG, I think he's just been hired by PSG. Um, he is working as a, an advisor for Celta Vigo as a consultant, I believe. And he actually is the man who was behind Swedworks transfer. 
So I think maybe he recommended them to sell to Vigo, which has helped uh, get it wrapped up. They announced it with a very nice sort of uh, IKEA um, unveiling on their Twitter account, the, the Spanish club. They're paying about 5 million euros, uh, 53 million krona, which is a huge deal for Hammerby financially. That's a huge injection of cash. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Steve, I think it's probably worth it. I think they've got a good player there. Um, he did go and talk to Belgian clubs as well. I think he went and met a couple in, in Belgium. But he um, he is op- has opted for Sweden. Uh, he's lived in Spain in the past and he speaks fluent Spanish. So a five-year deal for Salzburg. I think they've got a decent player. There. I think they've got someone who can... Mm kick on and, and do well in, in Spain. That's interesting. I was actually going to say, this is kind of a bit of a weird destination for him to end up at Celta de Vigo. The epitome of mid-table in La Liga actually had a naught goal difference last year, 46 points. But if he speaks fluent Spanish, then it kind of makes sense. But a Swede on the north coast of uh, Spain, very uh, interesting place to go. And how do you see him going in La Liga? Because... I mean, he's not going to be going to a club and, and, and they're not going to... He's going to be starting games, isn't he, surely? Or getting plenty of minutes straight away at a club like Celta de Vigo. I think he's got the ability to maybe get some minutes. Um, still very young. I think he's got still got a lot to learn. But I think he's got the technical profile uh, to to sort of stand out in, in Sweden. If I think of someone who's in Sweden who... Uh, sorry, who's in Spain who played in Sweden, Alexander Isak. Uh, of course, I wrote a Wisecout blog about him uh, during the Euros last year, and he he obviously played for Oikor, and they're sort of similar in terms of in terms of frame. They're very wiry, sort of tall players, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, Isak went to Dortmund and and did, went around the block before he ended up in Spain, but at Real Sociedad. But Swedberg's kind of got a similar, I think, physical profile at that kind of age, similar to how Isak was when he was about that sort of age, eighteen, nineteen. Um, I think he'll need bulking up. I think I could imagine him maybe not bulking up, but I think you know he'll he'll have to. It's probably a little. It's a very technical league, Spain, but I think he'll also need to maybe adapt to the level of the, you know in terms of the pace and the intensity um, that they play at the, the, the passing game in 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 Spain. I could see him maybe going out on a loan. I'm not sure if he. I don't know much, too much about Celta Vigo's squad at the moment. I'll be honest, but I could I could maybe see him doing a preseason and then uh, and either being on the fringes or or maybe going out alone. Um, but I think. You know, they only have to look at the fact that Manchester City were looking at him um, at the Swedish Cup final um, and other big clubs like that, Barcelona, to realise that this is a, a genuine talent. Uh, and I think it's a great move for Celta Vigo. I think, I think they've got this as a good player at a reasonable cost. Um, and of course, if he does well, they could probably sell him on for, you know, three, four times that. So probably a good move for all parties. I think Hammerby have been paid well. He would have gone to Lokomotiv Moscow, as I said uh, many times this, this season, you know, the deal was done. Um, but eventually, obviously, the situation in, in Russia meant that he couldn't um, couldn't move there. The deal got cancelled uh, in January. So, you know, their loss is kind of Celta Vigo's gain, I think. And uh, funnily enough, I think one of the directors at, at Celta Vigo is actually friends with Marty Cifuentes, who, who, who um, you know, he's a Spanish coach as well, and he's managed him at Hammerby. So maybe he had a word. Juan Carlos Calero, I think he said, is uh, uh, someone that... Um, Martin, well, there was a little joke I read on on a website, AS, Spanish uh, uh, Spanish daily newspaper. He said that Sifuentes was angry with uh, Calero uh, for signing him, but he said, uh, it's no problem, I'll, I'll bring him to dinner when we next meet. So clearly uh, he's happy with the deal. And I think all around everyone's probably happy with the deal. So yeah, it's goodbye to Willios Wedberg for us. Who knows if we see him again on loan in the next you know year or two or whatever. It depends how he adapts. But I hope he goes on and has a good career because... Um, you know, you can see in his technical ability, you know, he's a very good, intricate ball player. You know, when he's in that final third, he, he chooses the right options. He can shoot, he can pass, he can score off both feet. I think he's really got a bright future, to be fair. So um, I'm, I'm happy to see someone move into La Liga, to be fair, rather than the kind of usual pathways out of Sweden. So good luck to him. Yeah, this feels different, you know. Like, uh, you, you never would have had me thinking Celta Vigo. And if he's going on loan somewhere, let's hope it's, Somewhere like Las Palmas or Tenerife, rather than back to uh, Scandinavia, you know, let's let's keep him down there and, and developing his football because he does seem like a, a great talent. Now, there's been some other transfers as well. Belgium here have come calling to uh, Abdul Razak. What's that? So tell us more about that deal. Yeah, that's the other big um, big transfer. Uh, the North shopping player, it, um, Abdul Razak. He is a player, I think he was in my 10 to watch, I believe. I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to have to double check that. 
if he wasn't in it this year, I'm pretty sure he was in it last year. Um, but yeah, he's a player that I, I like. Um, and obviously, Swedberg was in my tent to watch as well on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. No, he wasn't in my tent to watch this year, actually. Uh, he was in it the year before. But um, he is a, a player that I'm not surprised he's moved, to be honest. Uh, he's kind of, a, I think, 19, 20-year-old. Um, he was once dubbed the new John Obi Mikel uh, after impressing for Nigeria's under-17 team. And he went on trial at North Shopping and they signed him. Um, you know, he was described at the time, I think, by Jens Kostasen as a player who works very hard. He's played in a lot of different positions, actually, Steve. He's played defensive midfield. He's played centre mid. He's, he's also played kind of in the forward areas, you know, at times. A um, bit of a kind of, he can do, he's a bit of a kind of handyman. He can do a bit of all jobs. But for someone so young, I think he, he's really shown potential. I think this year, you know, I remember that there was a game, I think North Shopping played, the last game before the international, before the international break. He put in a lovely cross for an assist. And it just showed his technical ability as well when he when he gets the chance to go to go forward at times, uh, and yeah, I think it's no surprise. Obviously, he's gone to Anderlecht. Um, you know, usually it's kind of Bruges and it against teams like that. So to be fair, kind of when such a historic team like Anderlecht come in, that that's that's interesting. Um, there has been a lot of rumours that he'd be moving for some time. You know, he he has been kind of linked for a while. He's been at North Shopping since twenty twenty. Um, he's twenty years old now. Sorry, not not nineteen, but. Um, yeah, he says, I will always remember North Shopping. I'll carry it with me forever. I started my professional career here and it's been a privilege to wear the white and blue shirt. Uh, I'm a player that I am today because of North Shopping and everyone's treating me like family. So, you know, he's given a nice sort of um, nice sort of tribute as he's left the club. Uh, apparently, the deal is around £3 million, pounds, uh, roughly 32 million Swedish krona um, for him. And... I think there's some bonuses there. I think there's a 20% re resale clause, things like that. So there's obviously got clauses on when they'll eventually, of course, look to sell him on. Um, I think his physicality suits Belgium. I think so. I think he could go there. You know, it's a bit like Alassane Youssef, who left uh, who left uh, Gothenburg, went to, I think it was Antwerp, I believe, or Charleroi, I can't remember, uh, or Standard Liège. One of them anyway, uh, team in red. But um, yeah, but you know, that kind of midfield player who can kind of adapt and move to Belgium, got that physical profile. Uh, he's very tenacious. He gets on the ball. He, you know, he can make tackles as well. He covers ground. Uh, 61 games, seven assists, two goals for peaking. So um, yeah, good luck to him. I think, again, I think he'll do well. So um, another team scouting in, in Sweden. Oscar Williamson, and uh, he uh, as he he was linked with Slavia Prague. I don't know if they're the side that are still in for him, uh, Jonathan, for uh, the youngster from IFK Gothenburg. Um, it looks like they they're going to lose another of their uh, academy talents. Yeah, and it's it's always one where again he was in my tent watch last year. Uh, I don't know if these teams are paying our Patreon, Steve, but we might have to sort that out. But if they are, then they'll be getting some uh, some juicy content <laughs> and uh, getting some good tips. But yeah, no. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of Wilhelmsen, like you mentioned, he has actually been given permission, I think, by uh, EF Core to go and train elsewhere. So he has trained, I believe, uh, with a, with a, a club abroad or gone to meet them. Uh, and you're right, there's a strong link with uh, with a move to che to uh, Czechia. Is it Czechia? Czech Republic? Czechia. Um, so Slavia Prague. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a big there's a big rumor there uh, on that one. Um, I think they will sell him. They've even talked about a potential replacement from their academy. You know what EF Koyotopo would like? They've got a kind of a conveyor belt almost, a pipeline. Uh, a player called Linus Karlstrand, who they've already said could be a replacement, 17-year-old. Um, but yeah, in terms of Wilhelmsen, he was once described as the, the next uh, Erling Haaland, uh, to be honest, uh, by um, when he was breaking through at EF Kaur. Uh he, he made his debut very young for the club. I think he was even, I think I'm right in saying, he was one of the youngest ever uh, appearance makers, I believe. Um, yeah, in fact, he's the club's youngest goal scorer of all time. Uh, he scored in a cup game in 2019 at the age of 15. So that's crazy. Obviously, Dortmund did approach him, um, but he didn't want to go and join their youth team. Uh, he was also linked with Premier League clubs when he was younger. Um, Simon Tern praised him and said he's got a sledgehammer shot. Um, and I think there's always been this sense that he, he will eventually leave. But it's, it's not done yet that he went and trained. Um, but he was back. Mika Stara said there's nothing really to comment on, um, but it's not unthinkable that he might leave and any player could leave. He said that we've had a, we've had a good dialogue with his advisors uh, and 
obviously he's already started talking about his replacement, Carl Strand. He's already been sort of bigging him up. So I guess from their point of view, maybe they're thinking that, you know, they've got someone else in the pipeline. I think Wilhelmsen, I think he's only scored two goals this season so far. He's not really um, been incredible, I don't think. He's, he's shown glimpses. Physically, he's quite a tall kind of um, leggy striker who, who has a good, decent shot on him. He's not made... I would say, Steve, the impact that Benjamin Negan made, for example, when he broke through. It's not made a kind of immediate impact, but I think he has shown with the, some of the goals he scored playing up front uh, alongside Marcus Berg, of course, who he can learn so much from. Um, I think he's sort of shown the ability to go on. So I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that a club like Prague is coming in from now uh, based on his performances, but based on his potential, you can understand why. Uh, and just obviously there's a few other teams interested. Uh, Vitesse and Groningen, apparently, they're the other two teams linked. Uh, and the other just rumour that's sort of doing the rounds at the moment as well, which is a, quite a big one potentially for Oi Kor, uh, Bilal Hussein is apparently being chased by Bologna in, uh, in 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 Italy. So, you know, that's another player who's got a real high potential, I think. Uh, and he's got, he's another one in our tent to watch, isn't he? On patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Um, and clearly he's got a, a bright future. Um, so it's not nothing done there, but that's just the rumours going around. Uh, and just, just finally, Steve, uh, on the kind of transfer front, one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, you might be sad to hear this. Uh, I know you've had your criticism from him in the past, but it's apparent that Malmo are not going to offer a, a new contract to uh, Joe Inga Berget, apparently. Um, there's a lot of rumours around Malmo at the moment and who who wants to leave, who's going to stay. So, um, yeah, I think Malmo are really looking to be active, but they haven't haven't really uh, made any big splashes yet. But uh, it looks like Joe Inga Berget is going to be one of the many players that they might look, might uh, look to move on. Wise decision. Replace Joinger Berget with Letton Barisha. That would be a definite upgrade, in my opinion. So, uh, but uh, one more thing before you go here, Jonathan. There has been a question um, live on air from Varsen at Oscar Holt, nineteen ninety-one, and he's just wondering your opinion here. Um, tips of what player Kalmar could bring in this transfer window. What type of players do they need? Yes, yeah, an interesting question. And they have actually already been, I think they've already made a couple of uh, deals. They've already been a little bit active uh, in this window, bringing back an old an old player of theirs, I think I'm right in saying. So, uh, yeah, it's a great, great question from, from, from Wasson. Great to hear from you. Changes, changes profile picture, eh? Um, I like it. It looks really <laughs> sleek, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, they've signed a player called Ronnie Janssen. Uh, he's joined the club. He's a Finnish player. Um, and they've also signed Papa Juve. Now, he's obviously, anyone who might remember him, he, he played for the club in the past. And as a striker who kind of was quite popular. Uh, I do think they did need a striker. And, and by the way, there's also rumours that uh, Isaac Janssen, who um, I did mention that I didn't think he's good enough maybe to be in a title-winning team, but there's actually a lot of rumours linking him to Malmo at the moment. So um, yeah, I think he's got room for development, Janssen. He's quite an exciting player. Um, but yeah, there's there's been rumours that he he might um, be on the way out at Kalmar. But uh, yes, uh, Pap Juve, I, I like. I remember him. I'm not entirely sure where he's been, uh, to be fair. Um, I'll have to double check that, as you've just asked me off the cuff. Um, but I do remember him when he was kind of around the club. And he, he was always, I'd say, quite a popular figure. So uh, he returns. In terms of what they need, I think they could maybe strengthen the field a little bit. I'm not... Um, I know Douglas Bergfist is also left in defence, so they could maybe maybe do a bit of work there. Um, but I think they've been performing fairly well. So uh, difficult to answer, really. But um, yeah, Pat Juf will be back for the rest of the season. He said, the love I've received in this city since day one means so much to me. And it's absolutely fantastic to be back home again. So it's a short-term deal. Um, the sporting director said we know that he will give his all for the club and obviously just that forward line he offers a bit more options a bit of pace maybe a bit of physicality because they are a little bit light in, in forward areas actually so i think that wasn't maybe needed uh so yes i hope that answers your question uh, oscar just going to move on to something a little bit random now um we really are scraping at the barrel this week i'm gonna be talking about the english championship jonathan here although with a linked twist and uh, Blackburn Rovers recently appointed uh, Jon Dahl Thomason as their new head coach, ex-Malmo manager, of course. And, uh, I mean, last season on the Nordic Football Podcast, we were kind of questioning him quite a lot. He didn't even make your top three coach of the year 
awards despite winning the title so uh, i know you uh, tweeted a couple of very nice things about him last week which surprised me a little bit i don't know whether you were wanting to appease some blackburn rovers fans or maybe it was just judging it over a two-year period but for any blackburn rovers fans who are listening what is john dal thomason going to um bring to blackburn rovers and English Championship. Is this a good signing uh, appointment, sorry, for the club? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I did see, I did see a tweet, Stephen. I did, uh, I did not reply to it, and thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to save that reply for for a future episode because I did see your comment there. I wasn't sure if you'd actually had to go back and look through the archives or listen to the end of season review again to get the coach of the season because I'd completely forgotten that he wasn't in my top three. I don't know uh, where how you'd or if it was just from memory maybe there but um yeah no i checked back through it and obviously i had torsons in third i had Henrik reestrom second and bartos kreslak first actually i don't i don't uh did you check back i checked back as well because i i remembered it specifically that it was a bit of a shock when he wasn't in the top three but yeah um... we did discuss that on the end of the season show so <laughs> go, go back if you want and listen to it but yeah maybe in maybe in hindsight i was a bit harsh um reestrom i've written about on on y scout he kind of revolutionized kalmar uh, he was incredible, I thought, just for a single-season transformation of a football club. Um, needed some praise. Grezelak, I thought, had a really good season. And, and to get them so close to the title, obviously, uh, I, I think he deserved merit. And Torstensson, of course, nearly broke the Swedish record for all-time consecutive clean sheets. So I just felt like with Malmo, yeah, yeah you know, you've, you've sort of done me a bit of a kipper here. You know, you've tried to sort of uh, do me. And in fairness, yeah, he's not in the top three, um, based on the fact that they won the league level on points and I would have expected them to win it by a little bit more. Uh, they won it on goal difference essentially from AIK. And that was my reasoning. And it, it did, to be fair, it did kind of fizzle out a bit his time at Malmo. And I think that ultimately balancing the Champions League with, you know, group stages with, um, with obviously the offense can, I think it proved a little bit too much for, um, for Malmo to really deal with and I think they struggled and that was why they kind of limped over the line a bit and 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 also Steve it kind of fizzled out their relationship between Thomason and the club and it it almost became an inevitability there was a lot of talk that he might leave um, Malmo towards the end of the season so I think the season just kind of petered out and that influenced my thinking um, but I will refer you to the season before that where he was number one in my coach of the season awards and uh, rightly so and in terms of what you said about maybe trying to appease Blackburn fans. No, I, I think I couldn't be further from the truth than that, to be honest. Um, I stand by every word I said. I think he did a fantastic job at Malmo. You know, the team, when he joined it, they had gone many years without a title under Uwe Rosler. They were struggling. You know, the Stockholm teams were starting to dominate again. And this is Malmo, who have, you know, one of the biggest budgets, in, if not the biggest budget in, in the league, um, failing to sort of win a title. And, and, and they'd gone a few years without it. He came in. Steve and anyone listening, of course, and he immediately sort of, I liken it to sort of Eric Cantona. He, he kind of lifted the collar up of the shirt of the club and said, you know, we are Malmo and this is going to change. And um, I really, I really, I really liked his mentality. Uh, not only on the pitch, he, he, you know, I wrote a Wisecout blog, which I think has been taken down now, which I was a bit uh, upset about, um, but it kind of delved into his tactical setup and how he, how he created that first title winning team. But in terms of, um, in terms of the mentality, I think that's the area that I really think he got an edge. And the, the best example of that was when they knocked Rangers out of the uh, out of the Champions League, um, when they went to Ibrox and, and won and, and knocked them out against all odds. It was widely expected Rangers would go through. And uh, I remember his press conference afterwards and he was like, this is Malmo. You know, he really he really built like a feeling of like, you know, we're a massive club here. And, and he, he brought back that feeling of like superiority that Malmo kind of had missed. Obviously, he won back to back league titles. Um, as I say, it did, end, it did end a little bit stale in the way that they, they limped over the line. But you've got to remember, Steve, this was the first time Malmo had been in, in the Champions League group stages for many years as well. You know, and, and they had Juventus, Chelsea, Zenit. So the travelling, you know, all that kind of did impact them, but they still won the title. So, yeah, I think Blackburn fans, I've already seen some of his early press conferences and he's already talking about kind of getting that connection with the fans and, and sort of bringing back the old days. And I think his skill steve might not be necessarily as a coach i think he's good on the pitch i think he's a good coach um he blended a kind of dutch style because obviously he, he he was an assistant manager in denmark uh, uh, and also in in the netherlands and he brings that kind of technical style of, of the sort of the dutch team 
but he also blended it with that physicality. They become they became really good at set pieces, Malmo, uh, throw-ins, long throws. So I think he'll bring that physicality to Blackburn, maybe that that blend. But but I think the edge that he gives as, as a manager is like, I think men, mentality wise, this is a manager who managed at like AC, you know, obviously he played it for AC Milan, he played for big clubs. Uh, you can gonna include Newcastle in that, of course, depends if you, if you want to include them or not. But you know, he he's won titles in his career as a player. Uh, he was a big, big player in his day. And he's got that kind of elite mentality. I think he'll bring that to Blackburn and he'll bring that kind of, I don't know how they'll do on the pitch and in terms of transfers and stuff like that off the pitch, but I think he'll bring a feeling of like, he'll start to bring that feeling of Blackburn, like we are a Premier League club and we need to be back in the Premier League. I think he'll bring that kind of winning mentality. And that's what he brought at Malmo that I, I really kind of, I was really impressed by it, to be honest. You know, I, I like managers like that. And, and he, he talked the talk and he, and he did walk the walk as well. I think that was the edge that he 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 brought to Black uh, to Malmo, and I think that's the edge he'll bring to Blackburn. He will go into the season thinking that they can get promoted uh, as champions, and I think that will galvanise the club. So I'm excited to see how it does, and I think it's one to watch. I'm not saying Blackburn are going to be amazing. A lot will depend on how they do. As a coach, I still think he can maybe improve a bit. It, it went a little bit stale, like I say in in the last in the last season, but maybe that was also because of the the, the squad size and and they lacked a bit of pace. I think Malmo last season and. In that squad, I don't think they had the kind of physicality to deal with the um, two fronts. But I think Blackburn fans can be quietly optimistic about Thomason. I think he's a decent manager, and I think it's probably a good move for him. I, I would actually be surprised if he lasts the season. Though <laughs> I, no, I, I don't like generally. Champion, the championship is a forty-six game season. Foreign managers and loads of clubs have done this. Foreign managers in general, unless there are exceptions, just struggle. In, in, in English football second tier unless you've got experience of the league before or you are I mean I've seen many good managers come to the championship and really struggle to adapt to it and he's got a big job on his hands it's the company at Burnley I hate that appointment as well that's a terrible appointment he's I just don't I don't I think both could be have a job before the end of the season seriously and um, I would say even before Christmas but then I remember there's a massive break in the before Christmas but um I, yeah, I think he's got a. I'm not saying he's a bad manager by any means, but it's just a, such a tough league to manage in, Jonathan. So if he can if he can get Burnley up, then I will be very very impressed with John Dahl Thomason. I think it's a. Uh, I think I think managing any club in the Championship is is really tough actually. So uh, good luck to good luck to him. I think he's. I think it's a really really difficult ask for him. He's never. He's going from a 30 game season to a to a, a league where you play like twice a week for a whole month in a row sometimes it's ridiculous so the meat man soccer negativity is back for another week well I, let's see i <laughs> yeah, i honestly I'm think sure, he's sure a, you said that to me i, I, I think, think he's um, primed to be sacked before the end of the season yeah i think that's uh, to be honest i think we're gonna have to disagree on that one because um <laughs> i just add that he has actually played in england before so he knows he knows it does help in that way yeah it does maybe poyas bargi who was at barnsley that that kind of ended pear shape didn't it but thomason's been around the block he's not an inexperienced manager by any means in terms of what he's seen as a player and also i mean he's managed at a high level um in 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 in, in sweden with the sort of you know the biggest club you could argue in terms of expectations uh, and also he's managed abroad in in sort of um, a high level so i don't think i do see what you mean you know it's a big jump in terms of schedule but you know also you got to bear in mind that you know when he came to Malmo, it was a covid season they had a lot of issues off the pitch in that sense you know, having to deal with all the testing and the no fans, and he, he adapted to that pretty well in his first year in Sweden. So, I think we'll uh, just have to uh, agree to disagree on that one. But yeah, good good luck to him, and we shall see what happens. But yeah, listen, Blackburn fans can come back maybe in in six months and let us know. <laughs> I, I hope he does well. I quite like Blackburn as a club. I have to say, I mean, I remember them, you know, uh, as a Premier League team back in the day. So, I, I and I, I Thomason, I've nothing against him. Either. I quite like him. So I hope he I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. But uh, there's there's several that have failed. But maybe he's got something about him. So uh, I can't believe this is an interesting little debate we've got going here, Jonathan. Isn't it, about <laughs> the English Championship of all things. Well, I did <laughs> sense a little bit. Of, I did sense your snide remark on Twitter. I thought, you know, what's Steve? What's Steve's agenda here? So well, I know what your agenda. Yeah, I think I know what your agenda was. But you, know, uh, you, fell, you fell off your fence, and it's good that you're not not sitting on it again. I, I like it. You know. Let, <laughs> Let's see what happens in, in six months. I mean, I could be wrong. could be totally wrong. I, you know, I'm not claiming to be correct. But uh, I, I think I think in terms of character and personality, they've got a manager that can 
that can do a decent job. But obviously, of course, as you know, Steve, a lot of football is actually who you get on the pitch, isn't it? To be honest, that is probably more important than tactics in the mm-hmm. championship. That that is the positive of John Dal Thompson. And if man mm-hmm. management and things, you know, I've seen many foreign coaches come in with these great systems and all that, and it doesn't work in the championship that easily. So, uh, yeah, I think that's um, on that. Note, I think that's it for the episode, isn't it? Am I missing? Episode? We do. We do have one more thing to talk about. Uh, Conference League. The draw has been made, and uh, I'll just run through it quickly before we wrap this show up. Um, <clears throat> we do actually have a bit of a derby coming. Are you aware of that? Um, will be a derby. Mulder will play Elfsborg. Oh, yes. So, yes, um, of course. First tie will be July 21st, I think, in Norway. And then, obviously, the return leg, 28th of July. So, uh, I'll see you in a few weeks, my friend, for that derby. Come on, Elfsborg. And the other games um, involving our teams, uh, obviously, some of the draws missing because there's qualifiers to come. But um, I'll just run quickly through some of the, the ties. Lillestrøm will play the winners um, uh, of... Flora against SJK. So it's either Estonia or Finland, I believe, they're going to be playing the winners of. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned there, Molda against Elsborg. If we include uh, Danish teams as well, Viborg are playing Suduva uh, of, I think they're based in Lithuania. Um, we've also got, who else have we got? I'm just scrolling down this list. Uh, excuse me. Diff, Jurgarden will play uh, Rijeka of Croatia. So that's an interesting tie for Diff. And uh, AIK have got a game against uh, Ukrainian. Uh, side Forskla Poltava. Uh, first game at home in Stockholm and second game, I don't know exactly where that will be played, to be honest, due to the situation in Ukraine. Um, and then finally, one of the Thai um, Viking will play Sparta Prague away. That's quite a big game. Uh, so they got them away first leg and then second home leg, obviously, at home. But uh, yeah, what do you make of uh, some of those ties that you've seen there, Steve? Brom- Bromby as well, by the way. They will play the winners of Pogon Szczecin. I think I'm pronouncing it, of Poland and KR of uh, Iceland. Yeah, well, I can't see Viking getting past Sparta Prague at all. I mean, Sparta Prague have been in the last in the quarterfinals in two of the last three years, haven't they? I think absolutely no chance there. Uh, I would expect Mulder to beat Elfsborg. Um, SJK, I think, oh, they're not. The, I thought they were managed by Simo Valakari, but they're not actually. They're managed by someone called Joaquin Gomez. So I just searched them up. Um, it looks like Air Corps have got a favourable draw there, I would say. It's disappointing. There's, there's a couple of... Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have Mulder Elfsborg a bit later on in the qualifying. I don't want to see teams get knocked out straight away in the first round. I mean, it's just awful, isn't it? We want as many. We want a good run from as many of these teams as we can. It's, it's quite fun, isn't it, when they go deep? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit annoying, actually, to be fair. Uh, I would have... You would want one of the sort of... T- I mean... I mean, one of the ties, Steve, you've got one of the qualifiers. You've got Bruno's Magpies from <laughs> Gibraltar against Crusaders of Northern Ireland. I mean, I've never even heard of them. And they play, you know, AZ Alkmaar will play the winners of them. So, you know, you, you would have liked a bit of an easier one, you know. Who the hell are Bruno's Magpies? I you know, I've never heard of them. But um, listen, I guess in a way it'll be interesting to see. You know, we have so many debates, don't we, about uh, Sweden versus Norway, which league is better. So this will be another test. I think be a well-matched game. I'd probably... I'd probably have Mount Mulder as favourites, if I'm being honest, but I think Elspeth could create a bit of an upset potentially. So I will, I will be interested to watch that game. I think it would be that will be well yeah, it time. will be interesting actually. Yeah. You know, you've got so yeah, it's I'd say in the Champions League, Budigan got um, the team from the Faroe Islands, Claxvik, uh, I think it's they're called. So uh, I mean, no disrespect, but that should be fairly simple over two legs for Budigan. That was a good draw for them, considering last season they got knocked out at the same stage against a team from Poland. So they've already their extra uh, coefficient for reaching the quarterfinals has, has helped them out by getting them. I think they were a seeded team in this round. So uh, it's good news for them. And uh, best of luck to all the Scandinavian teams in Europe. Let's just get as many as we can into the group stages. It's uh, We've been lucky the last sort of four or five years has been um, some... Uh, candidates have done well so we're looking forward to these uh, qualifiers when they, I like the qualifiers when they get into the real meet and uh, the real sort of August time there's some really good ties yeah and and just while while we're on that as well before we wrap up uh, I can't can't leave without mentioning Mama of course um they have been drawn against I'm looking for it the qualifier the wasn't it they will play the winners of the preliminary round which is I believe uh 
Is that the match that was on tonight between, um, I think it's a team from Estonia or Vikingo Reykjavik, maybe? Yeah, I think they're playing each other. Oh, the winners of, oh, yeah, they've got another, yeah. So we've yeah. got teams from like Andorra, Estonia, Iceland and San Marino here. Yeah, Interclub <laughs> Descaldes from uh, Andorra in the final. Yeah. And then there's Viking or, or Levadia. And right. uh, whoever wins that, Malmo will play in, in that qualifier. Um, so, yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. I mean, in terms of that draw, you've also got HJK playing a team from, uh, I think, Latvia. Glimp, as you mentioned, there, Klaxvik. And, uh, um, it should be Viking or Reykjavik. That could be Sweden against Iceland. Really. Yeah, that could be. Could be an issue. You'd expect Malmo to get through that. Yeah, um, you would. Yeah. To be honest, the season they're having, you never know. And then, of course, in the other uh, Champions Path, Michelin will play uh, in the other, sorry, in the other side of the draw, Michelin of Denmark will play Larnaca from uh, Cyprus. So that wraps up for this episode. We will be back. Uh, we'll have a weekend preview, in fact, on uh, Patreon, potentially. Either we'll put up some tips or we will just sort of, um, you know, have a little mini episode. And you can find us on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast for that one. And just in terms of um, the Patreon content, just wanted to address it quickly because... Patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast is where you can get our 10 to watch. If you haven't seen them, of course, Swedberg's already gone. So if you're a scout, maybe you're on top of that before the season even started. We had him and there's been a few others who have, you know, looking like they might get some big moves. So check that out. And we're going to have a bit of a bonus content this week for you, aren't we, Steve? We've got a, a bit of extra player profile content planned. Yes. Uh, thanks to all our patrons for your loyal support. I hope you've enjoyed the weekend previews this season so far. And now the player profiles will be coming out uh, throughout the summer. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for those. Yeah, we're going to, so, you know, we're going to have some extra player profile content, which we've been um, working on. So look forward to that if you haven't subscribed yet. And if you are a patron, then as always, thanks so much for your support. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod as usual. Uh, you can find Steve when he's not falling off a fence. He's on Twitter at Meatman Soccer. And I'm on Twitter at JF football f-u-t-b-o-l or he's on my timeline haranguing me about managers uh, that i've uh, tipped to do well so uh, <laughs> you can find him on either one uh be great to catch up with you again steve i hope you recover well get some rest my friend get some uh recuperation um and we'll be back very soon thank you very much jonathan um uh, thanks for all the listeners take a all see you soon goodbye bye everyone <laughs>